This is Adam Lippy, writer, editor, publisher of RegrettableSincerity.com, and this is going to be a brief interview with the director of Moon and Source Code, Duncan Jones. And if you haven't seen Source Code already, which just opened a few days ago, I skipped the interview, honestly, because it's uh, rife with spoilers. We discussed the conclusion in quite a bit of detail, and anybody who hasn't seen the movie will both be annoyed and very confused. Now, this was originally uh, a roundtable with several people, but I've cut them out except for one question, which I think Duncan gives a very good answer to. The question was provided by one of the people from the radio show Pretentious Film Majors on uh, 97.1 in Philadelphia. So that's the other voice you'll hear. There's also a cut from his answer to my question, and then it's just he and I for a couple minutes talking more about the conclusion. He has promised me that we'll do a follow-up at some point after his press tour is over, so look for that in the future. Enjoy. The movie is uh, very well organized up until maybe the last 10 minutes. Okay. And you have this logical conclusion where yeah. there's a freeze frame, mm-hmm. and but then the movie goes on for another 10 minutes. Yeah. And in my mind, I couldn't figure out why, because you had something that was smooth and then the last 10 minutes is, is pure emotion. But then it occurred to me that the two actors that you got to play, uh, like uh, Jeffrey Wright and um, uh, Vera Farmiga, purely have expository roles before that, and that all the emotion pretty much in the last section. And if I were an actor, I wouldn't want to take a purely expository role, so I understood that. Oh, utterly wrong. That's totally not why, why we did that. There was, a, there, was a, there was a logic. There was a piece of, there was a, there was a thread in the logic which I just couldn't let go, mm-hmm. which, which I really felt I needed to address. To address. And, and, and my feeling was that if, the, if we ended the film on, on, on just a romantic high note, mm-hmm. it completely undermined all of the, the, the entire science fiction conceit that the whole film is reliant on. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this character who jumps from, from one reality to another, He's being told that he's not actually jumping into a parallel reality. He's being sent into a sort of simulation, a creation of the last eight minutes of someone's life. But throughout the film, we've seen that what he's doing is not just experiencing eight minutes of someone else's life. He's actually being able to proactively uh, go and do other things. So at the end of the film, he proves it. He goes to this alternative reality and is able to send an email back to Goodwin, who's at the facility, saying, look, you have a guy in your facility, Colter Stevens, who's never been sent on a mission yet because I stopped the bomb going off, which was the reason that he got sent in the first place. Please look after him. And I think for any sort of sci-fi geeks like me, that was, that was a loose thread that really just had to be addressed. Aren't you breaking your own rules, sort of? Though? No, I'm, 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 sta- I'm, I'm absolutely staying completely firm with those rules. <laughs> Um, help me though, because I, I, wh- wh- how do you think that well, I've broken them? Uh, what, what I read it as, if, if the rules of, if you create the rules at the beginning and yeah. we accept them for yeah, what yeah, they yeah. are, the rule would be that he is in fact in some sort of simulation and he can't change that because it's already happened. But you see him change it all the time. Right, but we don't see it affect anything. But it, well, you do. You see him get off the train with uh, with Christina, and and you see him getting run over by a tri- train while Christina's standing there, and you see him being shot outside of the train with the bomb going off in the distance. Right, but I've seen that was part of the computer simulation. But idea. how how can how can that how can that be extrapolated from the experiences of Sean Fentress, who's only ever been on the train and blew up in it? Uh, I guess the same way that when you play a video game, <laughs> it's always going to be different okay. because the com- computer is complicated, and we assume yeah. anything capable of not time travel, but you know, direct yeah. viewing or whatever you want to call it would be complex enough to have well, thousands of variables. My interpretation is that as he says at the end of the film, this is not just a simulation. This is actually 
an access into a parallel reality, which is how come he's able to do all of these things which are not covered by Sean Fentress's experience. And he's been arguing that all along, that he's, you know, he's, he's, been able to save, he's been able to save Christina, and he says that earlier on in the film. So throughout the film, he's saying, look, what you say is going on is not accurate because I've been able to do all of these things which are, which are beyond the scope of Sean Fentress's experience. But isn't it more honorable for him to die a soldier such as in that last freeze frame in the car where he thinks he's dead and everybody is fake and that's his moment of joy and the comedian, you know the shot I'm talking about, I think. Yeah. If he goes on to live another life as Sean Fentress, he really hasn't, the, the honor is phony in a sense. Well, I mean, I, I will say that there was never a version of the script where he didn't survive past the ending. He always survived in the, to the end um, and he always got a happy ending. Um, so, so the idea of ending on a, a nihilistic sort of slant like that was never an option. What, what was an option, though, was to clear up what I felt was this really important hanging thread in the, in, the, in the logic of it, whereby, you know, there was a paradox that was really sort of a really rich paradox, which I thought we, we could address and that was part of the whole setup of the film. And it seemed crazy to set up this conceit and follow it through all the way and then not point out the paradox at the end of it that we're left with. I don't want to take any more time. I'm not going to take follow-up. I got ten more, but go ahead. <laughs> Um, okay, so you wrote your first film, Moon. Yes. Uh, so how was it with this film picking up a script somebody else had written and working with that, and how closely did you work with the screenwriter? Well, I didn't write, uh, work closely with the screenwriter at all. I think uh, Ben Ripley, who'd been working on it for a while, had been working with, with the production company that were involved in it for a, for a long time. And by the time I came on board, I think another of, un, of other writers had been involved. I think uh, Billy Ray and, 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 and a few other people had sort of taken, taken a shot at it. It was, it was obviously very different than working on my own material because you can, you can kind of look at it very objectively and you can say what you think works and what you think doesn't work. When I read it, I found it took itself very seriously. And my feeling was it would be far better to you know, lighten the tone of the film, inject some humor into it, get the rules set as early as possible so that the audience can kind of know what the premise is and then you know, ask them to take a leap of faith on the logic and enjoy the ride rather than take it too seriously and basically have to spend huge amounts of time in explanation and exposition of something which really doesn't matter when it's really about the characters and, and what's happening to Colter Stevens, our, our main protagonist. Um, Come on. Oh, I, have, I, have, I have one more difficult question, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it short. Uh, there's something that Jeffrey Wright becomes, he basically becomes the villain in the end and then in, within that thread of reality. But in his essence, he's really just a pragmatist. Yes, exactly. I would agree with you. And I don't know why that has become the go-to villain, like Oliver Platt in 2012, yeah. like um, in another Vera Farmiga movie, Orphan. Yeah. All, the, all the people who are perfectly smart and not uh, yeah. pointlessly emotional and foolish. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I would agree with you. He is the pragmatist, and I don't see him as the villain. Okay. Um, just the I, way that it's presented near the end, and like they're going to arrest Vera Farmiga is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, but in that reality, she's kind of screwed up. You know, she's 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 basically broken the asset they had, and they've just obviously shown that it's successful, and she's broken it, and so she's gonna you know do some time. Meanwhile, in a, in an alternative reality, um, <laughs> you know, Rutledge is just waiting for the opportunity to find a source code you know mission. So I, I don't think I don't think he in any way is is particularly punished by the circumstances. But as a pragmatist, you know, he's uh, he's he's very frustrated that his first success has been subverted by Goodwin's actions in, in one reality and, and he hasn't yet had an opportunity to prove what, 
source code's capable of in the other one. Well, within that reality, though, his her actions are selfish and yeah. pointless. Um, pointless if you consider... Because he's um, dead, so it doesn't really matter in well, that sense. Well, he's alive enough to obviously be able to perform the mission that's required of him. So, you know, if a, if a serving officer in the United States military is purely, you know, property of the government and, and, and doesn't have any rights beyond that, then you're absolutely correct. He's just part of the machinery. I mean, I think that would be a difficult argument to make. I think, you know, when you go into service, I think there, there, there are certain responsibilities that the state has to you. You know, whether it's, you know, care when you come back from, 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 from a war or, you know, a proper military burial if you, you're killed in action or, you know, whatever it is. I think, um, I think from both his perspective, more importantly from Goodwin's perspective, there are still responsibilities that they have to, to him. Um, and I think she comes to realize that over the course of the film, even though as you're right in saying that, that you know, and, and we see it. There's, there's little more of him there than half a, than half a, you know, a comatose corpse. I am interested in, in knowing, uh, no, in, in understanding people's reactions. I realized that, that I really did like the film. I mean, I. Uh, well, okay. Well, yeah. that's that's good. I mean, it, it so was it's, a, it's not like a. a I, I will let you know. Yeah. I pushed for the ending we have. So okay. I don't want you to think that it was ever forced on me or it was a circumstantial it, thing. It plays I, that way. I That's wanted this ending. Okay. And it was because I really got, was frustrated with the, with the logic hanging. I, don't, I didn't find the, the freeze-frame nihilistic at all. Right. I actually right. thought that was great. And yeah. it, well, I didn't mind nihilism, but, but I felt that it, would, it worked emotionally yeah. for all parts. And then when you added that, it just seemed more generic and less honorable. That's and less about okay. less, less about what the guy was really doing. And yeah. You know, all the, I kept thinking, well, maybe he needed to put this in. I'm like, no, he called the father on the train, so you don't need yeah. to wrap up that thread. Yeah. And you need, you, you don't need all that. It just, okay. it was one thing yeah. that you, you know, because I thought Moon was just great, and and all the way through, you seem to be making the right decisions. And, yeah. and in this, I was like, well, this is a you know well put together thriller. You know, yeah. not the best thing I've ever seen, but <laughs> so, I mean, look, yeah. we saw Sucker Punch right after, okay. which makes your movie look like the best movie ever made. <laughs> Um, I do have to see that movie. No, you don't. I'm, well, it's you know. irritating. It's more what it is. Right. Well, he is doing Superman, so I've got to see that movie. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, and really. I mean, someone said, "Oh, well, I'll download it." I said, "No, but it might make a nice screensaver." <laughs> I don't know if you're a gamer, but there used to be this thing called 3D uh, benchmark, which was like a way to to measure the performance of your hardware mm -hmm. in order to know what games you could play. And they used to have these amazing visuals that would just play. And then it would measure the frame rates and stuff. So maybe it's maybe it's. Have you ever seen that bad. video by uh, Garbage, the uh, the band Garbage? Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. That like is a tank a, girl kind of vibe. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. that's the movie. Really, basically, that's the that's a four minute, much more entertaining <laughs> version of that because all he does is rework a lot of eighties pop hits into yeah. trip hop. Okay. <laughs> which. Wouldn't have worked in Romeo and Juliet when when Baz Luhrmann tried to do that. Whatever he was doing with yeah. the re reworking, because all you do is it's irony, irony, irony. Um, <laughs> but Sucker Punch is so sincere most of the yeah. time that it's laughable. Like there okay. was laughter like throughout the movie, oh, and I don't blame anybody. Okay. And they are burying it because they know. Yeah. Well, I was wondering about the reviews because I mean there was nothing, nothing until today, and then they just oh no, uh, you know they screened it at ten o'clock on a Wednesday before opening, which is always a bad sign. Wow. Which is always okay. you know we don't. We're hiding this. Um, well, look, it was very nice meeting you, nice and, and uh, hopefully you'll 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 dig, uh, you'll dig film number three. No, I really <laughs> did like this, honestly. <laughs>